last Sunday, when I left the service, uh, I was driving home, and uh, I had a little longer way to go. And as I was driving home, my phone rang, and it was uh, my best friend from high school. Uh, he is not one that I talk to very often, and so typically if he calls, it's not normally a very good situation. Uh, and so my phone rang, and I answered it, and he was like, I don't know if you've heard, but I wanted you to hear from me. And I said, what? And he said, my mama passed away. Now, this was my, my second mother. Uh, I spent as much time growing up at, at his house as I did my own. And so we talked for a little while. And yesterday, we, we were able to gather together and celebrate her life. And uh, I walked in, and I have not seen him in probably five or six years. And so I walked in, he was sitting over on one of the pews by himself. And I went and sat down and talked to him. And those questions in that video was exactly what he was asking. He was like, I don't understand. I don't understand why. I don't understand um, why God would, in his words, take this good woman and leave some people here. His question was, why did it have to happen the way that it happened? And my response to him was essentially what this sermon is about today. My response to him is, we'll, you're asking a question that we'll never get the answer to. But it's remembering the fact that God is faithful, that God is still with you, and God is was with your mother when she passed away and that God is with your family right now. It was this reminder of God's faithfulness and God's goodness. And so for all of us today, as we journey in this faith together, that's essentially the message. It's, it, it ties back in, let me just remind you of, of the passage that we looked at last week. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, and you don't have to open your Bibles to this, just look at what it says on the screen. It says, you need to endure so that you can receive the promises after you do God's will. So often, unfortunately, church, we live in a culture that just tells us that it's just easier to quit when things get difficult. If you don't lose weight in the first couple of weeks, the diet's not worth it, right? Uh, that if you go to the gym and, and, and somebody makes fun of you, that's probably a personal story, but if somebody makes fun of you at the gym, <laughs> Stop going to the gym, and then you end up like me. Uh, and so I, I just, we, we quit too easy. And, and what I want you to realize for faith, because all of you have, you have all been to funerals where you were just amazed at the faith of somebody who passed away because they finished the course of their faith, right? And so starting faith is like, awesome to watch somebody give their life over to God and start their faith, but it is beautiful to watch somebody end their story with God. And so that's where we are as individuals and as a church. And so I want to preach to you today about God's purpose for not only your life, but for the purpose of our church. And I want you to say this phrase with me today. Look at this phrase that's on the screen. I want you to say this with me. It will happen. 
All right, now that was your first time reading it. So now we're going to say it like you actually mean it, okay? So we believe God, right? We believe in God's promises, God's faithfulness, God's goodness. It will happen, right? That's what I want you to think about today. And we're going to unpack that when we look at Paul in Scripture. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. And we're going to start in verse 9 in a few minutes, but just... I want you to be there, and we're going to stay primarily in Acts chapter 27 throughout. Because Paul is one who experienced great pain in life, great difficulty, great persecution. And so we come to this place in Paul's life, and Paul is in the midst of trouble, and he's in the midst of transition. And that's important for us today. Because when you're in trouble or you're in transition, and church, you don't need to hear this. When you're in trouble or you're in transition, that is a great place to be. Because that is a deep place for God's transformation in your life and even in the life of the church. And Paul is in both. He is on a ship and he is heading to Rome. It's not like a carnival cruise. He is on a a ship and he is a bound prisoner with hundreds of people. And and the, the conditions are barbaric what he's facing. And then he experiences difficulty that he did not cause in the moment. It wasn't his fault, his fault. But yet he had a spirit of faith that God's purpose would be fulfilled. He said, it will happen. And we want to watch this play out. And so let's look at verse 9. Starting in verse 9, it says this. Much time had been lost, and the voyage was now dangerous since the day of reconciliation had already passed. Paul warned them, Men, I see that our voyage will suffer damage and great loss, not only for the cargo and ship, but also for our lives. But the centurion, and this is the person who's in charge, but the centurion was persuaded more by the ship's pilot and captain than by Paul's advice. And when I read that story and I wrote out, when I read it again for this sermon, I had written out beside this part of the text the word, duh. And that's just how my mind, but I'm like, (laughs) no, because if you're the pilot, I mean, if you're you're, you're the pilot of the ship, And the owner is telling you, the owner's like, okay, you're the one who's responsible to take care of these people. You're the one that's responsible to get the prisoners safely over here. And we want you to keep going. And then there's, and they know ships, right? They know currents. They know winds. They know how these things work. And then you have a preacher that's sitting over there going, I wouldn't go. Uh, Who are you going to listen to? I mean, I think it makes perfect sense that the pilot would choose to listen to the captain. And yet, Paul is on board making a declaration that you should not go. So he made a decision not to listen to Paul. And so I want you to think about what does Paul represent in this story? Paul represents, I believe, he's more than just a preacher. He represents the purpose of God. On this boat, he represents the purpose of God. And God is speaking through him to these men and they're not listening. They're listening to all the other voices. They're listening to the other people giving him advice. They're listening to the rumblings of gossip. They're listening to the critique of someone else. And that's the question that we have to listen, we have to think about, is in whatever situation we are in, are we listening to God? 
And here's the thing is that you have to ask yourself about your own individual life. And then I would say to you as Stockbridge First United Methodist Church, you have to decide, are you going to be steered by a sense or are you going to be steered by the Holy Spirit? Because every ship is steered by something. Which one will you be steered by? The ship represents your life. The ship represents your relationship with God. It represents the direction that you're headed in. All the things that God has given you, all the things that God has entrusted you with. And so it occurs to me that so often in our faith journeys, we are like the centurion. Meaning that we, we may feel like God is doing this, but we listen to what makes sense, right? We listen to what we can understand. We listen to what we can, we can see. And what I'm trying to get you to understand, at least in Scripture, is so much of what we see in the Bible does not make sense. You started out this morning, and I didn't tell you that I was going to preach that. You started out this morning about, you know, if you're, if you're a logical thinker and you can... So much in Scripture. Last week we talked about the story of Jericho and Joshua having to walk around the, 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 the town of Jericho one, one time each day. That doesn't make sense. Why not just take the city, right? You think about Moses had to go and put a staff in the Red Sea and the waters would separate. That doesn't make sense. Noah, build a boat and it's never even rained before. That doesn't make sense. Jesus on the cross looking at the people who persecuted him and, and spit on him and mocked him and he says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. Follow Jesus. The disciples are told, knowing that it's probably going to ultimately end their life and it did end their life. That doesn't make sense. So much of what we see in Scripture and so you have to ask yourself, are you going to be led by what makes sense or are you going to be led by the Holy Spirit? And if you're always trying to make sense, faith is going to be difficult because we walk by faith, not sight. That's how we are as Christians. And so you have to decide, are you, are you trying to live and move forward by ways that you can understand and calculate and make sense of and all the math works out? Or are you going to walk forward in faith? Something to always remember is outcome is God's responsibility. Amen. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. That's what we have the ability to do. And so you see these men who keep sailing even though they should have stopped. Let me tell you something. If you ignore God's warnings, it will not go well, individually or collectively. Check out verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they could carry out their plan. They pulled up anchor and sailed closely along the coast of Crete. Before long, and it really doesn't say how long, but before long they were sailing into this wind. It says a hurricane strength, known, a hurricane strength wind known as a nor'easter swept down from Crete. The ship was caught in a storm and couldn't be turned into the wind, so it gave into it and it carried us along. I picture this in my mind when the, 
when you get carried along that the, the wind catches you and you begin to make progress. And so you begin to feel like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing good, right? But ultimately, when you ignore God's warnings, it leads to disaster. And I love this phrase, carried along, because it, it makes me realize that they, they had completely lost a sense of control. Not carried along in a good way, that they were just being carried through. And look at verse 16. After sailing under the shelter of an island called Kata, we were able to control the lifeboat only with difficulty. They brought the lifeboat aboard and then began to, to wrap the ship with cables to hold it together. Fearing they might run aground on the sandbars of the Gulf of Sirtis, they allowed the anchor and let the ship, they lowered the anchor and let the ship be carried along. And there's that phrase again, carried along. And I wonder how many of us, and this is where you kind of have to be honest with yourself, how many of us are just being carried along and we're ignoring the warnings of God? And I could stop and begin to try to name what those warnings are, those things that we're not listening to. But you see, that's not, that's what the Holy Spirit does. I mean, the Holy Spirit doesn't, um, doesn't beat us down. The Holy Spirit uh, doesn't compel us. What the Holy Spirit says is, you've lost your passion or this used to be important to you and it's not anymore. The Holy Spirit says, pay attention to this. The Holy Spirit nudges you and says, I need you to get back doing this or whatever it was. I don't have to tell you that because that's what the Holy Spirit does. In verse 18, it says, we were so battered by the violent storm that the next day the men began throwing cargo overboard. Now it's getting bad here. They're having to begin to go throw things overboard. And I know you're probably thinking, okay, this was your last sermon, and this was not a very encouraging sermon. Uh, <laughs> trust me. Just hang with me with the story, because it's good news at the end. But we're at the point where it's important for us to realize, I mean, they're throwing things off. They're trying to hang on. I love that image of them trying to wrap the boat to keep it together. They are trying their best in this situation. And then in verse 19, we see this. On the third day, they picked up the ship's gear and hurled it into the sea. When neither the sun nor the moon appeared for many days and the raging storm continued to pound us, all hope of our being saved from this peril faded. And what I see in this is it's a profound statement of it's beyond distress. Distress is throwing things off the boat. But now they come to a place where they move from distress to despair. There, there, there is no hope. There's no possibility. Everything fades away. And I think that some of you, some of us, we can find ourselves in that part of the story. And that's why you can't just skip to the part that we're going to enjoy at the very back end. Because some of you, you think, I can never beat this addiction. Some of you think, I can never get out of depression. Some of you think, I can never let go of anger. Some of you say, you know what, I, I'll never be able to forgive. Some of you even look at the church and you think, the church is never going to change. So we find ourselves at that 
part of the story. We are carried along. And while neither the sun nor the stars had appeared, it's so dark out there. And I think that's where we have to ask ourselves is, are we drifting? But in verse 21, Paul says this, For a long time no one had eaten. So Paul stood up among them and said, and I want you to listen to what Paul says, Men, you should have complied with my instructions not to sell from Crete. Then we would have avoided this damage and loss. In other words, you should have listened. God says, if you had done it the way I told you to do it, you wouldn't have had this problem. You wouldn't have had this damage. But here's the part that I really love. In verse 22, now I urge you to be encouraged. I want you to leave that verse up because I want y'all to say this with me. I just want y'all to all say the very first word of that scripture. Now. Say it again. Now. Now. I urge you to be encouraged. Listen, every time I go back home uh, to my hometown, I see people that I went to high school with and I went to college with. And I've told y'all before, I was an entirely different person in high school and college. Um, I'm always a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm always remindful of that I cannot do anything about the person that I was when I was 16 years old. I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about all the mistakes I've made in the last five years as your pastor. I can't do anything about all the mistakes I've made in ministry. You as a church, you can't do anything about all the things that have happened in the past. I want you to hear something. God is a God of right now. God is a God of now. God is a God of being able to say, now I encourage you. To be encouraged. We serve a right now God. I can't see the stars. I can't see the end. I can't see the, 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 the dry ground, Paul says. But now, and folks, that is good news for us, individually and as a church. The time to do the right thing is right now. Right now for you as individuals and for you as a church. Look at what it says in verse 22. Now I urge you to be encouraged. Not one of your lives will be lost, though we will lose the ship. Do y'all realize what that scripture is saying? I know you made a mistake. But nobody's going to be lost. Do y'all hear the mercy in that? Because Paul, remember, represented the will of God. Paul represented when he said, you, you, you didn't hear, you didn't listen to what my warnings were. Even though you choose to make that mistake, God says, I will still chase after you. I will still accept you. I will still love you. I will still show you mercy. I will still show you forgiveness. I will still show you grace. Not one of you will be lost. Praise Amen. And then so you think, so what about the boat? So, I mean, again, I, I keep thinking about just different parts of the story, but the boat's going to be destroyed, right? So let me ask you a question. Is that good news or is that bad news that the boat's going to be destroyed? Well, probably depends on how big of a priority the boat is for you, right? I mean, when you think about this story, Paul says, keep your courage up. None of you are going to be lost, but we're going to lose the boat. 
if your hope is in the plan and your plan is interrupted, then your faith will fail. If your hope is in the plan and the plan is interrupted, your faith will fail. That's what Paul is trying to get these men to see. We're not going to get there the way that we thought we would get there. It's not going to happen the way that we had imagined it. I like the boat, right? I, I enjoyed the boat. Uh, I was comfortable in the boat. But things aren't going to be the way that we imagined. In verse 23, it says, Last night an angel from the God to whom I belong and whom I worship stood beside me. And I want again, can you go back to that one slide? I want to leave that up for just a moment. So many times when we sang that about God leading us earlier, God leads us and we think about God as God who, who leads and guides our step. And we think about God who can come behind us and redeem our mistakes. But I want y'all to hear what this is. This is about a God who is beside us. That in the difficulty of whatever storm we may find ourselves in, God walks with us. God is an omnidirectional God. 306, God is ahead of us, behind us, and beside us. And so he can comfort us in the midst of the storm. Go back to the scripture. It says, the angel said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Indeed, God has also graciously given you everyone sailing with you. You got to keep your courage up. Listen, the conditions are not always in your control. You don't get to decide. And that's what I eventually shared with my friend. You don't get to decide what skies you face. And you don't get to decide how the seas are rolling around you. You don't get to be in control of all the circumstances and the situations. But you can control your courage. You can control your courage. And so what we see in Paul is God, Paul saying, you know what? In the midst of this difficulty, God's purpose will be fulfilled. He's still standing beside me. He's still guiding me. He's still walking with me. That's what I would leave you with as we begin to think about where is your confidence? Is your confidence in the boat? Is your confidence in the God who created the boat? Is your confidence in the plan? Or is your confidence in a God who creates the plan? The scripture says that he who began a good work in you he who began a good work in you. And church, he who began a good work in you will complete it. It will happen. It may be different than what we thought. It may be different than what we imagined. The boat might look different. But what's your hope in? My prayer for you, all of you, whether this is your first time ever being at Stockbridge First United Methodist Church or you've been here for 50 years, my hope is that your hope is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will complete what he started because he is faithful. He is a God who will finish what he started. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come so thankful 
that you are a God who is ahead of us. You are a God who is behind us. So we thank you for your prevenient grace. We thank you for your redemption. God, we are so grateful in this moment that you are a God who walks with us. Because it's when you're beside us that we are strengthened and emboldened and empowered and transformed. And so God, we pray in this moment for your church. Walk with us. And let our hope not be in each other. Let our hope not be in a preacher. Let our hope be in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.